Welcome back, journeyers. This week, we're going to hang out with Heather, Ken, and Stacy as they wait at the one tree for the boys' return. Now, back to the story. Chapter 24 Heather drummed her fingers while their other hand held up her head as she stared off into space. One week had passed since the boy's departure, and the walls were beginning to close in on her. She couldn't even read a book to pass the time. Her boredom wasn't Callista's fault. She had been an excellent host for the first few days, but now other duties pulled the metaph away, leaving her guests to fend for themselves. Food was still brought to them, and the chambers were still cleaned on a daily basis. But it was like staying at a hotel. A hotel where you don't know how to open the doors, she thought. Heather glanced over at Stacy, sleeping peacefully on the pillows that lined the main room of their living space. She dismissed the notion to wake the girl for the hundredth time that morning. Stacy hadn't slept well since her brother left, and Heather felt relieved that the girl was catching up on some much-needed rest, even if Heather herself was a trifle bored. Well, more than just a trifle. Unstimulated, her mind drifted to Steve. She liked Steve. She admitted to herself that her feelings for him may have moved well past like, and that is where she ran into problems. Heather knew she was a private person, and she knew if she kept spending time with him, some things were going to come to the surface. Things that she didn't want to talk about, or even think about. The real difficulty that infuriated her was that part of her wanted to expose the inner workings of her mind and soul. But it was a small part, and she had been able to effectively mute it. For now. For the past few days, she had begun to feel Steve's absence, which worried her. She had become invested in their relationship without wanting to, and worse, without even realizing it. That troublesome little part of her kept saying it was too late, that there was no way to avoid getting hurt, or hurting Steve. There was no way she could avoid revealing the truth to him, that she was damaged goods. Stacy Reed bolted upright, crying out for her brother. Heather rushed to her side. Stacy, it's okay. You had a bad dream. Stacy looked at Heather, confused. Michael's in trouble. He's hurt. He's drowning. No, his shoulder. Something's wrong with his shoulder. Heather handed her a cup of water. You're fine. It's over now. It's not. And it wasn't a dream. Michael's in trouble. All right. Let's say he is, Heather said. There is nothing we can do about it. He wanted us to stay here so we would be safe. Wherever he is, I'm sure he's happy that you're safe. Heather laid a comforting hand on Stacy's shoulder. There's nothing to be worried about. Don't do that, Stacy pulled away. I don't care if you don't believe, but don't treat me like I'm a child. Heather placed her hands in her lap. Okay, what do you want to do? We have to go find them, Stacy said. We can't, and even if we could, do we even know where they are? Callista, Stacy's hazel eyes lit up. She would know where they are. Heather feared the girl would suggest that. How about we talk to Ken first, before we make any decisions? We need to stick together. Fine, but I'm going to find him one way or another, 
Stacy stood and stomped away. Heather bit back a sigh as she watched the girl disappear into her room. Heather was disappointed, but not surprised, when Ken took up the torch for their exodus. The dark-haired young man had been itching to escape their prison soon after Steve, Michael, and Bear had left. Once again, Heather found herself being the only sane voice in the group. We can't just leave, Heather said. Why not? Ken asked as he paced the room. Well, for one, we don't know where they are. Heather tried not to grind her teeth. And what was the point of being left if we just go chasing off the moment we think something's wrong? So you think they're in trouble, Stacy said. I didn't say that. Ken nodded his thumbnail as he thought. Do you think you could find them? Stacy shook her head. No. All I know is he's hurt. I don't even know how it happened. We should ask Callista, Stacy said. I think that's the only way. Ken scratched at his chest. I'd rather leave them out of it, but I don't think there's any other way. I think it's a bad idea, Heather said. She knew there was danger out there, and not just from those hellhounds. Something else waited for them. Something that wanted her. You can stay put if you want, but we're going, Stacy said. Heather pursed her lips at the flippant dismissal. Apparently, stubbornness ran in the family. No, we have to stay together. Ken said as he sat down, but we have to be careful. The guys would never forgive me if anything happened to either of you. I don't need a babysitter, Stacy said, sounding like every child Heather had ever babysat. I didn't mean it like that, Ken said. You know how Michael is. He'll blame me even if it wasn't my fault. Remember that time I took you riding on my bike? I thought he was going to kill us, Stacy said and he caught hell from it from your dad. Why? Because your dad is a turd. He blames Michael for everything that goes wrong, especially when it comes to you. That's not fair. Quietly, Stacy started to cry. It's not your fault, Stace. Ken sat down and tried to console her. Michael didn't want you to know. It's not that. Stacy wiped her eyes. I just can't take it anymore. I can't just sit here and do nothing. He's in trouble. You don't know what it's like. I could feel how hurt he was. And, and there was something else. It was like something bad was wrapping itself around him, and he couldn't even see it. Heather's heart went out to Michael's sister. She knew what it was like to feel powerless. Okay, we'll go, she said. I don't know how, but we'll find a way. Wait, explain it to me again. It's simple, Stacy said. Calissa told me that there's a ceremony called the First Braids or, or the Braiding or something like that. It's, it's like a coming-of-age thing. When a Metef gets old enough, she chooses to braid her hair for the first time. To ask someone to braid your hair is supposed to be like a really big deal. So the girl who chooses gets to ask one thing of the braider. And the braider has to give it to her, like no matter what. That seems a little too easy, Heather said. It's perfect, Ken gave an infuriating smile. Stacy asked Callista to take her to Michael, and Callista has to do it. Easy peasy. Fine, Heather relented. It did no good to try to talk sense into them. 
their minds were made up. I just hope you're not getting in over your head. And Callista won't be happy when she realizes you tricked her. What's the worst that could happen? Stacy asked. Plenty, Heather thought. Her fingers itched to knock on wood, but she refused to give in to such a silly superstition. She knew Michael's sister was dead set on finding her brother, no matter what the consequences. Mixed with her frustration, there was a deep feeling of admiration for the girl. Stacy knew what she wanted, and nothing was going to get in her way. Heather thought briefly of Steve. If only it was that easy. Callista entered the chamber with her usual prom queen grace. Heather smothered an unexpected flash of jealousy as she watched her glide across the floor. Good morning, Callista, Stacy said, beaming. And to you, Stacy Reed, Callista replied. What do you wish to learn today? Callista, will you tie my first braids? Stacy asked. Heather started at Callista's reaction. The girl immediately folded herself on her knees with her head bowed to the floor. Her dress splayed out around her, framing her prostrated position perfectly. You honor me beyond measure, Callista said. Heather saw Stacy's eyes pop out and her mouth drop open for an instant. Then the girl had the audacity to give Heather a smug, I told you so look. It is I who is honored, Stacy said, nearly forgetting her rehearsed lines. Callista moved over to Michael's sister, knelt before her as she clasped her hands. I am so proud of you. I had hoped that my instruction this past week would lead you to become sisters with me. Zoe would have said it was foolish, but a fool's hope is still a hope. Callista kissed Stacy's hands. And now my hope is vindicated. You have brought me such great honor. Do you wish to perform the ceremony tonight? Your friends may be present. We will exchange ties, and you will make your request. Oh, you have made me so proud. Callista stood, straightening her long white dress, her eyes brimmed with tears. I must prepare my heart and soul for this journey. I will return tonight for the tying. Thank you, Callista, Stacy said. I can't wait. Nor I, little sister, Callista said, and swept out of the room, looking like a princess out of a fairy tale. Wow. Ken absently rubbed his chest. That was unexpected. Good job, Stace. I told you it would be easy, Stacy said, congratulating herself. So tonight we'll do the braid thing, and then all I have to do is ask. She clapped her hands in excitement. We'll be out of here by tomorrow. Heather held her tongue. It was obvious that the seriousness of the situation was lost on the girl. The force of Clissa's response didn't bode well for Stacy, but it was done. The simplicity of the ceremony surprised Heather. She assumed the entire community would be present, but only Callista arrived to guide them to her personal quarters. Heather and Ken walked through the smooth wooden passages, led by the trailing whispers and occasional giggles from the two girls ahead. Heather's amazement of the immensity of the structure had not faded with time. As they climbed higher into the colony, Heather recalled with a shiver the first time she had beheld the magnificent tree. Callista guided them into her chamber with a humble smile. Heather could see that the girl was giddy with excitement. Please, take light and water. She motioned Heather and Ken to sit on several cushions placed around a low-set table composed of black stone. On the table sat a pot and cups that appeared to be made of the same material as the table. The cups steamed with a fragrant tea. 
it occurred to Heather that the table was the first piece of furniture not composed of wood that she had seen since arriving at the tree. The stone items were clearly the pride of the room. Subtle placements of rugs and furniture caused the eye to be drawn to the centerpiece. Heather knelt next to the table, laying a hand on the smooth black surface. The term carved from living rock came to her mind as she took a cup. She took a sip of the spicy, fragrant tea and then looked closely at the small, handleless cup. A woman clad in armor with a sword and spear was carved into its black surface. She traced the delicate designs with her finger. Heather rotated the cup in her hand and saw the woman was battling a monster with snakes on its head. The woman held a shield in one hand and a sword in another. There was a flute attached to her belt as well. The artistry of the object was spectacular. She stared at the cup. Heather could swear that the snakes were almost moving, hissing, and snapping at the air. And the girl seemed to almost raise her shield and turn her head away as she thrust her sword forward and skewered the monstrosity. These are beautiful, Heather said. Callista beamed. Thank you. They were a gift from Zoe during the Festival of the Leaves. They are stones carved from the black rock of Kar in the Lektok Kingdom. It is said that Eitri carved them himself. They cannot be broken, and if the tears of Kar fill them, they will rejuvenate any wound, no matter how mortal. Kar? Ken asked. Callista motioned Stacy to sit on a pure white cushion placed in the middle of the room. Kar is a Lektok Inani. He loved a beautiful and wise woman named Freya. They reigned over the Lektok that lived in their mountain, but that was a very long time ago. Freya succumbed to the fate of all mortals, and Carr eternally weeps for her. Callista knelt before Stacy on an identical white cushion. Little sister, it is time. She produced a small, clear stone from the depths of her dress and placed it between them. Let earth and wood, rain and stone, bind us in blood and water. She recited and bowed her head, nearly touching the floor. Let earth and wood, rain and stone, bind us in blood and water. Stacy repeated and mimicked Callista's bow. Light drained from the room. In the darkness, Heather's fingers tightened on the warm cup. The silence was complete except for the heartbeats and whispered breathing of the room's occupants. Her eyes roamed the room in the absolute darkness, seeking something to affix their sight to. A pinprick of scarlet light sparked in the gloom. The stone between the girls glowed with an increasingly bright red flare, silhouetting their forms. Heather stirred uncomfortably. She had been stupid to let this farce go on for so long. She tried to stand, but Ken's hand forestalled her. It's too late, he whispered. His dark eyes danced with the red radiance. We just have to ride this one out. The red light bathed his face, making it look drawn, almost desperate. A chill ran through her soul, and she was relieved when Ken finally removed his hand from her shoulder. This is not a good idea, she whispered, but she knew it was too late. These cords I tied to you, Callista said, and produced six thick ribbons from the folds of her dress. These cords bind us together, she handed them to Stacy.
these cords tied to me, these cords bind us together, Stacy repeated. Callista pulled an imperceptible silver thread from her braids. Her long golden hair cascaded down her shoulders. Her hair smoldered with the crimson light of the stone, and, for a moment, Heather saw the similarity between her and Zoe. The metap somberly rose to her feet and placed herself behind Stacy. Stacy handed a green cord over her shoulder. This is for growth, that I may learn and become. Shadows receded and stretched as green light enveloped the red radiance of the stone. This is for light, that the sun may bring illumination to our union and our steps. Stacy handed a yellow band. The crystal replaced green with yellow. The dread that had clung to Heather fled with the new light. The room brightened as shadows were chased away. This is for truth, that no lie shall separate us. As Stacy's hand touched the blue ribbon, the stone's color changed again, and then to brown as the same color ribbon exchanged hands. This is for strength, that I shall not falter in my steps. This is for remembrance, that I may perceive and rejoice in the completion of my duty. A red cord came last. Callista deftly wove each cord into Stacy's long auburn hair as the light of the rock returned to red. It looked to Heather much like a French braid that pulled the girl's hair into a tight formation. It was a beautiful weave, and so simple that Heather was sure she could duplicate it. Callista finished and returned to her seat across from Stacy. This is for duty. She produced a long black cord and tied it to her own hair in a long ponytail that I may fulfill all my obligations to my sister. Her life is my life, and her steps are my steps. Stacy and Callista both bowed deeply to one another. Normal light returned to the room as the crystal's glow dissipated. I welcome you, sister. May I serve you well, Callista said, and the two girls hugged. Callista pulled herself from the embrace. Dear sister, what is your request? My request, Stacy smiled in victory, is that you take me to my brother. Stacy's head rocked to the side from Callista's resounding slap. Ken jumped up, but Heather pulled him back down. Don't, she whispered. This is out of our hands. Ken jerked his arm from her grasp and muttered a curse. You have shamed me with your request, Callista said, not trying to hide her anger. But I must answer it. You ask me to abandon my post and my duties. You have gone against Michael Reed's will. You refuse to comprehend the seriousness of this ceremony. But the bond is in place, and now we must both see it through. Stacy sat stunned, her hand tenderly touching the reddening mark on her cheek. But Callista bowled past any protest Stacy tried to utter. The Metaf wasn't shouting, but she was close to it. Do you forget why you are allowed one request? It is granted because you will not be able to make another request from me for the duration of your training. You cannot ask me for food or water, sun or shade. Not one question shall pass your lips. Training? Heather found her tongue. What training? She is to become one of us, a metef. Calista stared straight into Stacy's hazel eyes. She must do all that I command, without question, until her training is complete. How long is the training? Ken asked. As long as I deem fit. 
the finality of Callista's words turned a knot into Heather's stomach, and she could clearly see it sink into Stacy's heart. Michael was not going to be happy. That's all for now, Journeyers. Next week, we return to Michael and the boys as they travel to find Trindoc. As always, thank you for listening, and be good to one another.